Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Welcome to the FT's US Election Countdown podcast. I'm Sam Fleming in Washington. And I'm Courtney Weaver, also in Washington. So it's been an extraordinary few days for the Republican Party uh, following the scandal over disclosures of uh, lewd comments by Donald Trump back in 2005 on a video. Uh, since then, we've had a number of Republicans begin to uh, try and distance themselves from Donald Trump because of these uh, these demeaning comments he made about women. Uh, at the same time, Donald Trump has said this has unshackled him uh, to run the campaign he really wants to run. And on top of this, Donald Trump is now facing fresh allegations of inappropriate uh, sexual behavior after a number of women came forward to accuse him of groping them or making unwelcome advances. Courtney, what are you seeing in terms of the past couple of days of news? How is this story panning out? I mean, I think you can easily say this has been one of the most extraordinary weeks we've seen so far this campaign. On the one hand, you had the video come out on Friday afternoon, and very quickly by Friday evening, we had a sense that this was something quite different than Trump's other remarks. Uh, And that's basically because so many Republicans, prominent Republicans, have come out to distance themselves from Trump. You had everyone from House Speaker Paul Ryan to John McCain, the senator from Arizona. Um, it's actually it turned out to be 150 Republicans in total, which is quite extraordinary. Wow. So a huge number. And yet, uh, over the past couple of days, we've actually even seen uh, Republicans who distanced themselves from Trump then re- re-engaging almost because they're worried about a backlash by Trump supporters if they do renounce him. Right. So you have two people so far who've done that. You have uh, Senator Deb Fisher from Nebraska, who she said on uh, on Saturday on Twitter, she said that Trump's uh, comments were terrible and that he should uh, pull out of the race. And then lo and behold, come Tuesday, she said that she would be supporting Trump and she backed the Republican ticket. Uh, you also have the Republican uh, Senate hopeful from Colorado, Daryl Glenn. He, he also said the same thing Saturday, called for Trump to drop out of the race. Uh, and then now is saying he's backing the ticket. So I think it just really emphasizes the extent to which Trump has put uh, Republican leaders in between a rock and a hard place, because on the one hand, um, he his campaign is obviously really suffering. We've seen a huge drop in the polls for him, uh, but he seems determined to take down the Republican leadership with him. Uh, so basically lashing out at Paul Ryan and other Republican leaders just as much as he's lashing out as his, at his opponent, Hillary Clinton. Making matters worse for Mr. Trump uh, this week have been a number of separate media articles containing allegations by women that he'd groped them or made unwelcome advances. One of them was in the New York Times, which contained allegations from two women. Uh, Mr. Trump has tweeted that's a total fabrication. But he's also facing accusations in the Palm Beach Post and in a first-hand account in People magazine. So the question really now is, what impact has this happened have on the race? I think one thing we can say for sure is that it continues 
to push the spotlight onto Mr. Trump and his behaviour and carries on this uh, this scandal about uh, whether he's been uh, guilty of inappropriate behaviour following the 2005 uh, video video's release. It's going to hurt his opinion poll ratings. Uh, certainly the 2005 video really has hit him. He tried to get back on the right track. Uh, in terms of his position in the polls with his debate performance on Sunday. But really, um, even if uh, his supporters argue he did well in that debate, the, the news is totally being dominated by these, uh, these stories of uh, women about how he's behaved in the past. And so what do the Republican leadership do in this situation? What, what, is there a strategy? Do you sense a strategy? How are they responding to this, uh, this quandary? to put it mildly. <laughs> uh, this might be unfair, but it just seems like they're crouching in a corner and hoping that the Trump's attacks will stop. You have Ryan, you know, while he said he wasn't going to defend Trump anymore, he also hasn't formally rescinded his endorsement of Trump. Um, and it just shows the weak position they're in. They're ho- trying to hold on to their majority in the House. They're trying to hold on to their majority in the Senate. Um, and they don't want to alienate Trump supporters who are Republicans, you know, and you know, Trump's doing a fantastic job at convincing a lot of his supporters uh, that Ryan and the rest of the Republican leadership is against them. Uh, and for a group of people who already think that the Republican Party doesn't understand their problems, um, it's easy to buy into this and to kind of believe in the conspiracy theory that maybe it was the Republican leadership that leaked this video and is out to get Trump. So our colleague Patty Waldmeyer spoke to a woman in Wisconsin, a Trump supporter on Sunday who went by Laura. Laura wouldn't give her last name out of fear of the backlash of being a Trump supporter. But let's hear what she had to say. It's not going to affect me. I think what he got caught on the video is what most men, if not all men in the world, think in their heads. And if not, they say them out loud. And worse, seriously, they're going to take Trump down for doing some locker room talk with a bunch of guys like a normal idiot guy would do? It's just ridiculous. I think this whole thing, I knew something was going to come out. They can't find anything else or they're pulling out this crap. You know, they're just going to the bottom of the barrel. So I, th- I think what you heard that woman saying is is emblematic of what a lot of Trump supporters are thinking right now. Um, Sam, you were traveling with Hillary Clinton a few days ago, and you kind of got to witness her reaction to all of this firsthand. How is the Clinton campaign taking this turn of events? Well, there was a certain amount uh, of commentary after the uh, debate on Sunday that Trump had really regained his footing in that debate and was back on the uh, back, back in the driving seat. I think that was not certainly the mood on the Clinton plane back home to New York following the debate in St. Louis. There was a very upbeat atmosphere indeed on that plane, with a sense, I think, from the Clinton aides that uh, they um, that Trump had a much much higher amount and to climb because of this tape uh, in that debate in, t- in, t- in order to turn the momentum back t- in his direction and that he hadn't done that. He'd run a very negative debate. He'd attacked her constantly. And she, in, on the other hand, had really wanted to go into that debate appealing more to voters and trying to show that she was somehow above this rather tawdry story and trying to uh, win over voters with policies and, and a vision for the future of America. So by no means do they feel that the momentum has stalled uh, on their on their part. And so Going, watching the debate, um, I was a bit surprised, to be honest. I thought that this was a real opportunity for her to go more on the offensive against Trump and really just to deliver some you know, really great one-liners. She's criticized a lot for being a little bit too milquetoast and you know, kind of playing it safe and, and being on the defensive. 
Do you agree with that perception? Yeah, I think there was there were a few obvious openings where she could have hit hit him much harder. Uh, and meanwhile, she allowed herself to be open to some pretty tough tough um, one liners by him. Most notoriously, when he said that uh, uh, she would be in jail if he were president, which prompted a bit of a gasp from the audience, given what he's suggesting. But I think if you need to put it in context of what their strategy was, uh, it, debate number one saw. Clinton really hitting him hard and trying to lure him into elephant traps, so that, such as the Alicia Mercado, the Miss Universe controversy, which he successfully did. He, he blundered straight into those. Debate two, I think, was much more about, okay, we've done the, uh, we've done the tit for tat, we've done the, the acidic remarks, let's instead try and appeal to voters and use this town hall format to speak directly to voters, what she was very clearly trying to do. She addressed the uh, responses directly to voters, whereas Trump tended to, uh, tended to address his responses into, into, into the ether and show that she was responsible to voters rather than down, on the, down in, the, in the gutter where she argues Mr. Trump is at the moment. So uh, different strategy. Maybe it was less rewarding in terms of uh, uh, classic debate technique, but I think we'll have to see over the next few days as to, as to how much that, um, that apparent victory on some level by Trump really um, yields him dividends in the polls. Yeah, I mean, do you think that she just kind of sticks to her kind of pre-trodden path and lets the Republican Party implode in the background and lets, you know, Trump continue saying this stuff, hitting out at Ryan? Uh, or do you think they launch kind of a new attack strategy? Well, from, the, from what's going on at the moment, they, they seem to be very happy to allow the Republicans to occupy the headlines. I mean, meanwhile, there are these continual leaks, WikiLeak emails, uh, which, which are coming out, which the Republicans are attempting to seize on in order to show that they aren't the only uh, party which has a major scandal on its hands and that there are, there are more skeletons in the Clinton campaign cupboard as well. But in terms of what the Clinton priority now is, it's very much um, focused on early voting. And that's something that you know people may not quite appreciate how important this is but voting is already starting and what the Clinton campaign said on that plane back from the debate was that uh, they're really focused now on early voting states um, or vote by mail states um, Florida, North Carolina, Minnesota being very important uh, to them and the other question I think which you're starting to see come up in the um, the Democratic camp is whether uh, the Clinton campaign should be focusing uh, a little bit more resources on states uh, which look pretty strong for the Clintons, for example, uh, for the Clinton campaign, for example, Virginia, in order to help uh, down-ballot um, contests as well. So um, keep on pouring resources into, into states in the hopes of actually winning more House seats. Yeah, and actually uh, Priorities USA, which is the main Clinton super PAC, this week they basically decided that they're going to start going into swing states and spending money on down-ballot races instead of allocating all its money towards Clinton's race, which I think is a good sign of how confident Democrats are feeling right now in the race. So when when Trump has not been hitting out at Ryan, um, he has been engaging with Clinton over their their tax policies. Uh, and we've had a new report this week that kind of illustrates the difference between the two. Do you want to explain a bit what that is? Sure, yeah. I mean, there have been a number of analyses over the past few months by various uh, think tanks over the uh, fiscal impact of the Trump and Clinton tax and spending plans. This is one from the Tax Policy Center um, which is an extremely reputable uh, think tank, which does very, very detailed work on this stuff. And what it really exposes is just how radically different the two 
um, budget plans of the two candidates um, are. Uh, effectively, um, what it found, finds is in terms of fiscal impact, uh, the Trump tax cuts, which he's very, uh, very much touting, uh, would reduce federal revenues by $6.2 trillion uh, over the next decade. So potentially, without <laughs> massive cuts, which he hasn't outlined, really dramatically uh, blowing out uh, the federal budget, budget deficit. Uh, and on the other hand, Clinton um, actually lifting um, federal uh, revenue by, in part by uh, increasing, uh, increasing taxes on, on the rich. In terms of the impact on individual income groups, uh, there are very much mirror images um, as well. So under the Trump plan, nearly half of the tax cuts that he's proposing will go to the highest 1% of households, whereas uh, in the Clinton campaign, uh, the Clinton plan, the bottom 80% of households would receive tax cuts and the top 1% would pay over 90% of the net increase uh, in taxes. Right, and Trump has obviously seen this report and he is not in agreement with the conclusion. <laughs> he is not in agreement with the conclusion. The Trump campaign has rubbished this uh, analysis and, um, I mean, we, we really haven't seen, let's be honest, this campaign focus on detailed policy arguments over whose plan is better. So right now the political momentum is being carried by other issues, which are the issues we right. were talking about earlier. Although I have to wonder, you know, how much with his supporters, how many of his supporters will be turned off supporting Trump based on this analysis. You know, we saw even with his tax returns, most of them didn't really seem to care about that. So it's hard to imagine a scenario where this changes anyone's mind. Uh, I don't think it'll change Trump supporters' minds in remotely, but it could It could potentially impact independent voters who are looking uh, closely at, at the two candidates and are trying to weigh up uh, which uh, has the middle class's uh, best interest at right. heart. So that's it for us this week. Thank you for listening. You can also find us at Twitter. I'm at Courtney underscore FT. And I'm at Sam One Fleming. Be sure to sign up for our daily campaign trail newsletter, which is White House Countdown, and that is available at ft.com forward slash NBE, and that stands for News by Email. So again, ft.com forward slash NBE. And be sure to download FT Politics wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Acast. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.